The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. And welcome to Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick. And today is the third part of our three-part series talking about tests. Our first part, we talked about getting buy-in for tests and showing the value of tests. And um, we even went through an example of how to do a pandemic test because uh, I knew I wasn't going to be able to fit it in anywhere else in these three days. Uh, so we, we had that. And in our second a week we talked about how we plan for our tests you know um, some that need more planning than others and hopefully over time you don't do as much planning uh, or to very little planning and the types of tests that uh, are out there that you can uh, leverage and slowly work your way through uh, to full-scale simulations or even unannounced tests where everything goes crazy for the first hour or two but uh, <laughs> you get your uh, you get your team working through it all and we talked about uh, how to document that um, because I do have an audit designation and I have worked a lot with audit in program management and project management. And uh, if you can make audit your friend, uh, you know, uh, and make sure you've covered all the bases that they want to see, you've got it made for yourself because that means the documentation you're using just meets everything that uh, they're looking for. So we talked about... Uh, the documentation, what, what I uh, called the uh, test charter or the test scope document and containing what information needs to be in there. So that basically you're saying this is what we're going to do. And then when you're at the test side, this is what we are doing. And your executive summary, which we'll talk uh, about in the last segment today, will be uh, this is what we did. So what we're going to do, what we're doing, and this is what we did. You know, those are basically what uh, audit is looking for, you know, in very simplified terms. So um, this week, we're going to talk about, you know, during the test and documenting all the findings. So let's start with what happens during a test. Now, I hinted at uh, this last week, and I did uh, bring it up a couple of times uh, regarding making sure that no matter what test you have, as you're going through it, Make sure you're, you've got somebody documenting, you know, any action items that come up, uh, any issues or questions that people have, you know, make sure you've captured all that because you're going to need that information later on. Because if you don't answer those questions, people may think those are assumptions. You know, they ask a question, they don't get an answer. Well, they're going to move forward on an assumption that the question they asked is correct. You know, their belief of the answer to that question is correct. And, uh, you know, um, Assumptions aren't always true. 
you know, uh, the only assumption that will be proven correct during a disaster is that your assumptions are all incorrect. So during tests, make sure you've got, you know, somebody doing that for you, especially when you've got, uh, you're doing your large scale tests, like your simulations, you know, and your big, your big uh, offsite tests, you know, at uh, third party vendor locations, or even at your own uh, alternate site, you know, if your downtown Toronto location is gone, and you are bringing things back up in Vancouver, uh, you know, or Chicago is down, and you're bringing things back up in New York, you're going to want people there because you may have had people traveling and you're going to need to make sure that everything they need is there and what's not there, you got to capture, identify what they need. You know, uh, you can have observers. I have used uh, observers before because, you know, people could be in a room where their network is, uh, users are in a different room, you know, at their laptops or desktops uh, performing their activities. You have your uh, command center, you know, where the test facilitator and usually, uh, you know, a visiting vice president <laughs> is uh, usually wandering around as well. Uh, so you've got people all over the place, and, you know, doing different tests, you know, just like your regular facility. You know, you're not all sitting in one room, you know, you're all spread out. So, and that's going to happen at tests a lot of times. So you're going to want a, a couple of observers you know, to somebody to sit with the users and find out what challenges they're having and capture those issues and questions and things that come up. Uh, people with the technology team, you know, if they're rebuilding a mainframe or, you know, loading tapes or building up the network or, you know, the server racks and wiring everything there. Well, you know, you're going to want people, uh, you know, they don't have to get involved. They don't actually have to be doing anything. Uh, and hopefully they're not getting in the way. But with a clipboard or a binder or a notepad or something, you know, if somebody rebuilding the network says, you know what, as an idea, we should really do such and such. We should uh, look into the possibility of doing uh, X, Y, Z. We'll capture that. Have the observer capture that because that network uh, person, she's going to be busy later on, you know, and she's not going to remember, you know, that great idea she had. But if there's an observer in that room, they can capture that. And you can go forward and, you know, at the end of your test, you can consolidate all those observations. And those observations are going to come in handy when you start uh, documenting all the findings, you know, your uh, issues that you were encountered. And you start putting those together, you know, so observationalists can also uh, carry messages back and forth to the command center, you know, to the test coordinator who's uh, sitting there, you know, uh, getting getting their updates. And, uh, and if an issue comes up, well, sometimes the person uh, rebuilding the server has an issue. Uh, they don't want to stop what they're doing and run back to the command center to tell everyone, you know, that there's an issue with the Outlook server or something. So, you know, the... Uh, the observer can actually take that information back you know, and, and pass that that along to everyone. So try to, during the test, do that. You know, have someone to be able to capture all that information. And depending on the size of your test as well and how long, and maybe even some, you know, just tabletop walkthroughs where you're together for three, four hours and you're over lunch, make sure you schedule breaks. You know, if it's a big, long a simulation where you've got 48 hours, you know, or even longer. Um, I've been through those. I think if you listen to the last two shows, I've brought up a few examples of those where we had really long test durations. And as a consideration, the test coordinator 
I also had to consider getting food on site, you know, whether it be ordering pizzas or subs or uh, we went to a Chinese buffet place and basically raided everything and brought tons of food back, you know, for you know, what seemed to be uh, 50 people at sometimes, you know, and uh, making sure there's a, a pop or snacks, uh, you know, vegetable, healthy stuff as well, you know, and uh, making sure that people were taken care of. You know, everyone, if they're working in eight, nine, ten, or even longer hour shift, depending on what the situation calls for and where you are and what you're testing, you can't just expect people to work big long shifts with nothing. You know, so during the test, make sure that they don't have to worry about that. You can simply, you know, send a message around. Maybe you can get those observers, like I mentioned, to walk around saying, hey, everybody, we're, we're uh, pausing for a half hour or something. Uh, pizza is ready in such and such a room. You know, everybody uh, grab a, you know, a, a slice, you know, something to drink and uh, just relax and chat for a little bit. And that helps with morale as well. It helps people uh, recharge the batteries, even, uh, you know, a half hour. Or, you know, people can just walk outside for a few minutes, you know, instead, you know, they could be frustrated with some of their documentation. And uh, with documentation during the tests, make sure everyone's got a p- copy of their plan with them and not closed sitting on the end of the desk saying, yeah, I'm following the plan. No, they're not. They're not following the plan. They need the binder open, and they need to be following through step by step to make sure. If you, I'm sure some of you have seen uh, some very, very detailed technology recovery plans. I know I have. I've uh, seen a huge uh, recovery for a mainframe. You know, which included everything in there, you know, logical partitions that needed to be built and, you know, the tape libraries that needed to be uh, coordinated and connecting to the network and all the servers and, you know, all the data that had to be uh, associated with that. And those plans are very, very detailed. And if you have one gentleman, and I knew one gentleman who was incredibly knowledgeable when it came to the mainframe, there were things he could do that you know, really wouldn't be written down because he just knew it like the back of his hand. But when we got to the point of having shadowing and someone else doing his role where he was uh, standing behind them, we started to find that, you know, step one, I do this. Step two, I do that. Step three, I do this. Hey, it's not working. That's because step three really is step four. Step three is missing. There was something not there. So you need to make sure that people have these plans and they're following through. Um, there's codes in these plans. There are some big formulas and naming conventions. So you really need to make sure that they're changed. You know, uh, as your technology changes and your testing, that these plans reflect that as well. You know, so make sure that they are following the binders because if you do have a situation where your staff, you know, for whatever reason, can't get to um, the the uh, alternate location. You know, um, you may need your vendor to get started. Well, if your vendor needs to get started, those plans better be detailed, and they should be able to access them to get things started until you and your staff get there to take over and then start doing what you know how to do. If they're not, they may get to, like I said, you know, the first two steps and that's it. And you're not getting there for another three, four hours. Well, everything comes to a grinding halt. You know, hopefully not, but it could. So you want to make sure that when you're testing 
during the test, you are using what's documented. If there's something not documented, if, if you're also going through crisis management plans or you're thinking of activities you know, that aren't there, then once again, use your observers, capture what's mi- the, the gap, capture what's missing, and as follow-ups, identify that we're going to add this step to the business continuity plan for finance or, or marketing or you know, this manual procedure for such and such group. Okay, so make sure that you are following the plans. During the test, you want to also make sure that people aren't working the long shifts. I know I mentioned, you know, people working 8, 9, 10 or even longer. And sometimes that's just because the limitations that you have with people. And if that's the case, you try and get some people to do uh, participate. You know, if you've only got one key person and they're responsible to, um, let's say, I'll use the mainframe example again because I'm thinking of the same gentleman um, at, a, at a company I used to work for who was very knowledgeable with uh, mainframes. Uh, been working with them for, if I recall, 25, 30 years. So he knew them very well. He was also responsible for any production issue, issues and things that happened with the mainframe. So when he was on site doing the testing, And going through his binder and his documentation, if there was a problem in production, he had to stop and go and take care of that. So we had to identify someone who was, uh, I won't say as knowledgeable as him on mainframe because there wasn't, but someone who had a high level of skills who could step in for him so he could go have a break during certain specific aspects. You know, if there was something that once... The X system loads, it takes five hours to load. Well, then great, have this person, uh, this alternate person sit in for that and, you know, send uh, your key person off to, you know, a, a hotel. Uh, you know, uh, you don't want them driving too far, you know, especially if they have been working long shifts. Um, but have have alternate people if you can do it. You know, you may not be able to do it at first, but hopefully you will be able to. And when you've gone through all of that, you know, before you're documenting your findings, you know, from observers, you've been uh, uh, writing notes and binders and your plans and identifying areas that need updating, you know, and some action steps and follow-ups and, you know, issues that you've encountered, some issues you may have been able to resolve, some you can't, some may be high priorities, some aren't, you know. Um, but once all that's done, then really, and I've seen it happen, uh, we're finished and everyone packs up and leaves. Well, if you're at a vendor site or an alternate site or even in your own uh, facility, you know, you've just got a large conference room uh, where everybody is gathered, you, you want to close down your test site because you never know what information may be lying around. You want to make sure that all your documentation and materials are picked up. You know, if they need to be packaged and sent somewhere, um, either to an off-site storage facility, back to your home uh, facility and location, um, uh, you know, or even just packed up and put in the back of your car, because I've seen that too. Um, you want to make sure none of your paper is is lying around, and that includes notes too, because you never know what people might have written down. <laughs> I found a few that were, uh, you know, could could pass as, uh, you know, um, sensitive materials. You know, and all they were were scribbles. So uh, to the person who wrote it, were scribbles, but 
at the same time, you know, they're, man, that's kind of sensitive. We should really uh, get rid of that and make sure it's all destroyed, not just thrown in a garbage can, but shredded. And if you can't shred it wherever you are, you know, take it with you and get it shredded. You know, so that's all your paper files. You know, if you've got whiteboards or chalkboards, you know, I guess I'm dating myself there eh, by saying chalkboards, um, whiteboards, you know, clean them off, wipe them off. You know, if, if the material you need, everyone's got a smartphone these days, you know, take a picture of it, you know, for your records so you have it and then clean all the boards off. You know, anything that's hanging up, any, any notes, um, you know, if you've got a, a phone line where you're leaving status uh, messages, you know, leave the last message saying, this is the last message, we won't be updating this line anymore. And after a, a day or so, to make sure that everyone's got that, you can put it back to your regular emergency uh, uh, line that you may have had before, you know. But removing all of your updates from that, that system. And if there are any uh, other uh, materials that you brought in, you know, like tapes or, or um, uh, printers and scanners and anything like that, Pack that up and take it away as well. You may need help from a shipping company. Your vendor may um, be helping you with that stuff as well. And if so, make sure you get a confirmation, a written confirmation that this information is done. You know, that, that this information has been taken care of. These activities have been executed. Um, we've shipped back your, your printer, you know, your fax machines, your scanners, whatever it may be. Get written confirmation because if there comes a problem... It's not their name that's going to be in the headlines. It's going to be yours. So make sure it's all taken care of and you've got all your I's dotted and your T's crossed. You know, so make make sure, and this is an important one too, that if you are at an alternate location or you're using uh, different machines and uh, or vendor machines and you've loaded up data, whether it be test data or, or whatever you're using, make sure it's gone. It's scrubbed from all those systems, you know, and not just we're finished, uh, okay, you know, and your vendor says, yeah, we'll, we'll get rid of it. Well, no, you don't know what, what happens to it. You don't know who's got access to it. You don't know how long it'll take them to clean it up uh, or, you know, what's happening with it. Make sure you do it. And if they are contracted to do that for whatever reason, again, confirmation that it's done and find out how long it's going to take it, who who's doing it, when they're doing it, where it's being done. And you want the closing record saying that this has now been done, not just a, a simple, uh, you know, verbal uh, voicemail saying, yeah, we did what you asked and that's it. No, not going to cut it. Not in today's privacy you know, and, and uh, security world. That's just not going to cut it. So make sure you take care of that. So that's, you know, uh, a high level of what, what can happen during a test, what you should look after, uh, focus on. And next segment, we'll start looking into capturing all the findings and uh, the documentation, the executive summary. And uh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. And I'm Alex Fullick. Uh, you're listening to Preparing for the Unexpected. And we'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. 
plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Uh, This is our part three, talking about tests. And uh, as our last segment, we talked about um, what we should do during tests, you know, with observers and documenting and uh, giving some examples of what we need to consider during these tests. Um, I could probably talk an entire day on uh, just you know that that aspect alone having been through quite a few um, but uh, you know I'd probably bore you to tears with with a lot of that information so in this segment we'll start moving towards documenting you know our findings and start putting together our executive summary which will be the very last uh, segment today so now we've had our test you know were we successful were we not successful I come from the school of thought that if you find one issue, one problem, you're one step ahead of where you were before. Because if something had happened, you would not have known you know, about that issue, which could be a showstopper. You, you don't know until you actually identify it, right? You don't know what you don't know. So I find you, if you are able to identify gaps, then great. I think that's a success, you know, and which is why I tend to use the the term exercise um, more often because you can't fail an exercise, but you can fail a test. And I'm sure all of us have had a few experiences like that in our time, you know, where we have failed a test. So when we come to documenting it now, it, it Basically, everything ends up on the desk of the poor uh, test facilitator or the BCM coordinator or whatever the position name is, who is now responsible to decipher some of the shorthand and scribblings of observers and notes that they probably took 
during status calls and, you know, they've got all their status reports and recordings of, um, uh, that were done on whiteboards where they took pictures where mainframe recovery, you know, was supposed to take, uh, I'll just say 24 hours. Um, don't quote me I'm not saying that's how long it should take. I'm just using that as a number. Um, and mainframe recovery was done in 18 hours. Well, fantastic. That's the kind of information that needs to be there. The email exchange server was up in, you know, four hours and it was supposed to be up in two. Okay, we've got some work there. You know, at, if that happens, there should be some related issues, you know, uh, with that. If there are, if you, you've come in under your expected recovery time, uh, as I said, you would come in 18 hours instead of 24 for the mainframe recovery, you might want to capture what led to that success because that's a real success. You know, and it could be that the documentation this time around was much better prepared, clearer. You know, the person who was doing it was more comfortable. They had, um, you know, someone who shadowed could help them through, you know, and it's not just them, but maybe materials they were expecting came ahead of schedule. And um, if they were expecting the network to come up in a certain time frame and it came up earlier than expected, you know, you want to capture all those successes. If you have a test and you don't encounter issues, well, you better be preparing for the unexpected because I can guarantee there's something there. Nothing is perfect. You know, we know that. We've all been there. In our, you know, daily lives, we could we could be waking up to bunnies and rainbows, you know, and on the way to work, well, there's a car accident that holds us back, you know, and now we're late for work. So anything can happen. So anything where you have not found any issues, take a really hard look. Make sure somebody's not hiding something, you know, and the re- and that comes down to the test facilitator or the, the project manager on how they're managing the test. You know, you're putting all this information together. They know it's being documented, that you're pulling it all together, summarizing it. You know, some aspects will be more detailed than others. And they may be too afraid to put it down into words that they had an issue. And they might keep it to themselves. That may seem like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that, but I've actually seen it happen. Where a couple of groups did encounter issues, but they didn't want to say anything because leading up to the test and through all the planning, they were touting how well prepared they were and, you know, they had everything in line and, you know, they tripped. So they didn't want to seem like they had egg on their face. And if that happens, you know, it's up to the test coordinator to, again, turn around and just say, it's still a success, guys. You know, you, you, you were prepared. You identified things you didn't know. That's good. You know, so no matter what happens during the test, as the project manager, the test facilitator, coordinator, BCM professional, whatever the position is that's running, you know, and responsible for executing the test and coordinating it, keep a positive view on it. Always keep a positive view. These people are putting in a lot of extra hours, you know, to do this. You may have traveled. They could be away from family, friends, loved ones you know, um, dual responsibilities while they're still looking after production, doing these tests. So put a positive spin on it. And when you start pulling all these observation notes, you may want to sit with each observer to make sure you understand what it is they are saying, what they've captured. They could be using their own terminology. I know I had um, 
in one test, I had some observers, and one person who volunteered to help was the uh, executive assistant for the vice president of technology. And she did a great job of capturing things. You know, um, uh, She used her own terminology, though, so that she understood what she was writing. And using her terminology, and you know, she didn't know how to do shorthand, so there was some shorthand in there. And uh, obviously, I'm not trained in shorthand. I had no idea what uh, some squiggly lines and, uh, you know, swirls meant, you know, but they were words. So those observers, you may want to sit with each one to have a full understanding of what they see, what they know, what they were told, you know, the issues that were put forward or reminders to do things. Um, You want to make sure you understand each of those. And you may find common elements in the, if you have four uh, observers and they're in four different uh, locations, but, you know, they may have switched things up, you know, so that don't get bored just looking at the same, same group all the time. Um, there may be some items that appear in each area. You know, they could all say that, you know, our documentation needs updating. Well, if it's appearing for, in the notes of four observers, you know, then you know that's a key issue you're going to need to address and have a plan for, you know, and will have to be captured in your executive summaries, you know, or your findings document, what whatever they're called. You know, um, I'll talk about executive summaries and how to uh, put these things together in the, the very last segment. But you want to make sure that you capture all this. And at the same time, when you're going through all of that, don't forget what you documented in your project scope or your, your test charter, you know, what, whatever you call the document that said, this is what we're going to do. If you're finding through all these notes and uh, status notes and observational notes and um, items forwarded you by, you know, the, the testers and the users, you know, um, from IT and business, they're saying that we, we attempted to do this, it didn't work, it's an issue. Cross-reference that with your objectives and cross-reference that also with what your scope is. Because if they're telling you something that didn't work, that's great, thank you. You know, like it's still a great thing. But you don't want that item that was not identified as being in scope to suddenly say that your objectives were not met. Your objective was met, and as a bonus, we had time to do this extra item where we found a problem. So we met our objective, and as a uh, you know a bonus item, as a appendices or something like that, you want to identify these are some of the extra things that we were able to attempt. Some may have passed, you know, may may have done really well. You know, they they gave you the expected result that you wanted that you were seeking. Some may be items that may have been added to the scope the following year, you know, but now you've proactively identified it ahead of time. But don't let that item turn around and say you didn't meet your objectives when that item wasn't planned to be in scope to start with. The reason I point that out is sometimes, and I've seen it happen, and I'm sure many have uh, that are listening, you know, throughout the globe um, here, that some people may test something not in scope and say that, you know, we didn't meet our objectives. 
And it's because they didn't test what was in scope. They're testing what they wanted to be in scope, which brings up, you know, one, they weren't familiar with their role, what they were supposed to test. So you need to review your awareness. And two, you want to make sure that, you know, when you're going through your scope, that everyone understands it, you know, before you get to the test. So don't let something that's not in scope dictate your overall results. You know, they are a bonus. You know, I'm not going to say they're not welcome because they are. But the items that are in scope first must be captured and documented first and mapped back to your objectives. Otherwise, you're going to, you could potentially have a list of things that were unsuccessful or were successful, but yet your scope was never completed, which would mean your objectives were not met. Or they were met, but they weren't met by using the right scope. So what was being tested? You know, like I said before, you're, you want to identify what you're testing. This is what we're testing. And this is what we tested. Those three areas, you know, that audit tends to look for. So what will happen is this is what we're going to test. This is what we tested. But, you know, we have completely different results because we actually didn't test what we said we were going to test. So, so you want to review all those findings and meet with those teams to get their ideas. And that, also, that includes uh, IT and business units, okay? And any vendors, if you had uh, shipping or courier companies or offsite storage vendors that participated, you know, they may have sent, um, uh, some places have these, uh, you know, they call them disaster boxes or, or uh, you know, they're the crisis management uh, container or something, you know, where all the offsite binders and materials are kept, you know, if they're involved, talk to them, you know, did we follow their, the right process they were expecting, you know, is there something they, they messed up for us? Did they send it to the wrong location? You know, did they have a service level agreement that said that box would, once we asked for it would be at a specific location in uh, two hours, but it showed up in four you know, you want to talk to them, find out, well, what's wrong? You know, are we holding this box in the wrong spot? Do we have the wrong expectations? You know, you want to make sure everybody's on the same playing field. That also includes the DR vendor, your, your third-party vendor. If you're meeting with, uh, you know, your, your teams and getting their perspective and uh, and your, your shipping companies, you also want to have the, the group that's actually uh, housing your test. You know, helping you put it together, giving you the facilities, you know, uh, especially if it's third party and find out what went right for them, what went wrong for them. You know, they're there to help you, you know, um, at least they better be because that's the business they're in. So they better be there to help you. You want to find out, you know, how did things go? Were there things that you communicated to them that they misunderstood? Were there things that they had communicated to you that you didn't see? you know, or were uh, provided incorrectly, uh, you know, it works both ways. You you want to build a relationship with all of these, these groups, internal and external, to make sure that everyone's expectations are being met. And if you've listened to a few shows, um, and I hope you have, during our project management one, there was a, uh, with Sue Ross Baker, there was a big discussion about stakeholder management. And that's what that is. And, you know, you're managing the expectations of all the stakeholders. And when it comes to a test, you want to make sure everyone understands their part in it, where they stand, 
you know, what's expected of them and what they're expecting of you. So you have to not just throw everything in a document at the end of your test. You've got to go through this and validate that all the information is correct and map it back to your objectives. You know, and your objectives, and I had mentioned before uh, in a previous uh, show that, you know, there's going to be success criteria around it. We'll meet the objective when maybe item one, two, and three in the scope have been met. Well, if you've tested items one, two, and three, regardless of if you found issues with them or not, you tested them, you identified potential gaps, you have a plan to move forward, you met the objective of testing these items and identifying um, any any problems. You've met it, even though you identified issues. So make sure you go through all of these, the, this documentation, the written notes, the handwritten notes, your own notes, um, something on a whiteboard or a flip chart. You know, if you gave status updates um, by phone or via email, make sure you have copies of all of those, you know, and put them all together, validate that all the information is correct. Hopefully, you know, the, it, it all is, and, you know, on a, on a happy path, so to speak, that all the information is correct, it's validated, you know, and there's nothing missing. But, you know, just be aware, sometimes there could be something missing, you know, and you don't want that to suddenly be missing in your documentation, which is going to be our next, uh, the last segment today, the the summary document, what needs to be there and how you can put it together. You don't want something missing there, especially when somebody who had uh, found an issue didn't communicate it because they weren't comfortable communicating it, I can guarantee they would have told their boss. And their vice president probably hears about it or their director hears about it. You're going to go through all your validation, put your executive summary together, send it out for review or sign off or whatever your internal process is. And that VP or senior director is going to turn around and go, well, I heard about such and such. Where's that? How come that's not here? It's going to make you look well, not good. It's going to look like you're you're hiding something when you're not, right? You're not doing that intentionally at all. It's just the way it worked out. So make sure you validate all the information. Now in our next segment, the last segment today, we're going to talk about documenting the summary, how to group all of these issues that you've got and how to present it. Um, and so we'll be right back in a couple of minutes. I'm Alex Fullick, and this is Preparing for the Unexpected. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America talk radio network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? 
Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to Preparing for the Unexpected. This is part three of our uh, talk on testing. And this is the last segment, the last piece we'll talk on testing. That doesn't mean we won't have future shows. Uh, There may be something out there people want to talk about specifically. But in this one, we're going to talk about the executive summary. In our last segment, we talked about all the information you want to capture and put together and how you can get and obtain all that information where it's kept, you know, whiteboards and scribbly pads and notes and, you know, people's emails and your own status emails. Now you've got to package that because if you've got the value, you've shown the value and the buy-in, you know, for executives, they're going to want to see something out of it. You know, they've probably already seen what was in scope, what was being tested, So now they know the test has been held, and I can guarantee you, before you've even said anything, before you've distributed anything to anybody, they're already well aware of what happened. So you've got to make sure your executive summary is clean, crisp, and concise. Word to the wise, don't think you're going to do a 30, 40-page executive summary. You know, you may do a big findings document like that, but executives aren't going to look at it. Really aren't. You know, I don't know any executives who will look at that. They'll just, you know, uh, I don't know what the comparison is in the United States, but in Canada, it's the Coles Notes version. You know, which uh, which were summaries of some, you know, some of the big books, you know, through history. You know, uh, they'd be thirty pages long rather than you know the four hundred page book. It would summarize everything for you, and that's what your executive summary is going to have to do: clean, crisp, and concise. Something they will want to read and will easily understand. So what needs to be in there? Now, I've mentioned that you want to capture all your um, your observations, your issues, and mapping it back to your scope, right? So I tend to group my issues in four categories. You know, you, you're going to have, uh, we'll, we'll just say, you know, 12 12 issues altogether you had in your test. And they go into four categories. One, the first category is planning. Planning identifies those issues related to the, the, the test or exercise and the, the, the BCM program planning effort. You know, we didn't have enough pe- meetings to start with. We didn't have the right documentation provided. You know, we didn't understand the scope. You know, anything, you know, communications, we never received updates and things like that. You know, anything to do with planning. Group those issues. Next is the execution. So these are the things that are identified during your test, you know, when you're actually executing your test. 
you know, identify anything related to those activities. And I mentioned, you know, observers may capture, you know, um, uh, something from the network guy that says we need to update XYZ document. You know, that's where that would go. The next one is team resources. These uh, team resource issues identify those issues related to the team members on-site performing execution activities. So this doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, Bob did a terrible job or Jane was late 10 minutes, you know. No, these these are issues that are related to the, the resource. You know, there was only one person who did this, you know, and they had to work, you know, 16 hours to do it because there was no alternative. Well, that's an issue. You know, Bob isn't the issue because he worked 16 hours. Jane's not the issue because she was 10 minutes late because she was working on production activities as well. The issue is you don't have a backup for this person. So what's happening when they go away on vacation, let alone during a disaster test, right? So that's the kind of thing, you know, that poor Bob, poor Jane, you know, they're the single point of knowledge, you know, and without them, things come to a halt. That's something that's going to need to be addressed. You know, they're not the single point of contact, or single point of failure, the single point of knowledge. You know, people aren't failures. Systems and processes fail. People are the are the, are the uh, single points of knowledge. And the last category from planning, execution, team resources, is technology components. That's kind of self-explanatory. You know, your applications, your hardware, you know, your networks, you know, your cabling, anything to do, you know, your laptops, your desktops, you know. Anything to do with those items, you know, issues related to that, to the technology components themselves. So group your issues like that and then identify them, identify a grade for them. You know, if you have four issues in each one, like I said, the 12, so four planning, four execution, four team resources, and four issues related to technology components, grade them. You know, out of the four issues that you identified in planning, which is the key one, you know, which is a high priority you need to address right away, which is medium. You know, this is a medium priority. You know, we can wait a little while, but as long as we take care of it over the next six months, let's say, you know, and which one is low? You know, it's a low priority. You know, we don't need to focus on it right away, but as long as we have it addressed by the time we do our next test, you know, that that's fine. You know, and I actually put another grade in here. You know, if there's planning issues related to good practices, right? And good good practices, you know, they, they're items that uh, can be incorporated into the, the, the program to improve things. You know, the exercise performance, the, you know, that, that help, you know, things that came up. Hey, this really works really well. Almost like a lessons learned, you know, or lessons observed. And then you implement it, and then it becomes the lessons learned. So, you know, you have your four categories, planning, execution, team resources, technology, each with four issues, and then grade those issues. High, medium, low, or is it a best practice? You know, or good practice, actually. I don't like using best practice because best practice is different for every industry and um, every different, uh, you know, company you deal with or consultant, you know, everyone's got their idea of what a best practice is. Um, but there's good practices, you know, and you can use what works best for you. So group them that way. Uh, I find 
on in your first page on the executive summary where you do your little introduction paragraph, keep it light and breezy. You know, you don't want to get too detailed. You've already got detail in your your charter. In the overview chart, what you can now put is under uh, under our planning, we had one high issue and three low issues. You know, technology execution, we had uh, four medium and nothing else. You know, under team resources, we had one high issue that needs to be looked at, a medium, a low, and a uh, good practice. And then technology components, you know, <laughs> I know uh, uh, every time I talk to someone about this, is almost everything in technology is high priority. So we'll, we'll, for the argument's sake, we'll say four issues that are, you know, high priority need to be looked at. Now, on the that takes up your first page. You know, now an executive can see, okay, these were the issues associated with planning. These were execution. On your next page, now you say what they are, and you say these are this is our high issue in planning, and how you do that is you 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 know you give it a number so everyone can identify this is issue number one. You know, it's a high priority item. You know, and we need to look at it right away. What is the issue? You know, de- describe what the observance was, what the is- issue really is, not someone's interpretation of it, but what the issue really was, what the issue impacts, you know, what 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 did, did it actually do? You know, we found this issue and it did this. You know, it caused a delay, it caused a, a, a server to crash, it caused, you know, something else to occur. You know, then the last section for that issue, you want to put, what are we going to do about it? You know, you know, you have a, if I'm an executive and I'm looking at it, okay, you have a high issue in planning. Okay. That's fine. This is what it was. Okay. That's fine. This is what it did. This is what it impact. That's fine. Well, now what are you going to do about it? That would be my question. So what? Okay. So you found this issue, but what are you going to do about it? Right. They're not going to sit there and tell you how to fix it. So you want to come up with a recommendation to move forward. And you document that and give each issue a page. You know, you can create a little chart again, like I said, you know, as single point of knowledge. You know, it's, it falls under the item category of team resources. You know, it has a high rating, you know, uh, or red, you know, if you're using colors. You know, it's, it's red. So it stands out right away. You know, and when an executive flips through the page and sees these reds, they know these are the ones I need to support the business continuity program with. You know, or I need to address in my own area if it's something that it you know is with their own area. You know, this is what we need to address right away. So it helps them prioritize as well, not just you. You know, because you're helping build your program going forward. And if you have, like I said, the the twelve issues, your document overall is only going to be twelve to fourteen pages, right? It's not going to be the thirty forty. You. Know. It's clean, it's concise, it's direct, it's right to the point, it shows your issues, you know, what it did, uh, and what you're going to do about it. And you've got to put, if you can, you know, put some options. This is, you know, the options we have to resolve this issue, you know, or mitigate it from uh, occurring again, you know, and put some time frames, you know, by, you know, in the next three months, we will have this addressed you know, or, or the plan updated or, you know, have someone identified to shadow, you know, poor John or Jane, you know, who were the only people in those areas. So put that together, you know, for each issue, you know, and you can group them all together. These are all our, you know, uh, um, 
our, our team resources, you know, from high, medium, low to best practice, you know, and then the next four pages deal with the planning ones, uh, issues, and then the next page deals with, um, you know, your your technology, etc. So that's how you can capture that. Um, I I do have a template available on my website, you know, alexfullick.com. If you go to the shop, you can have a look there. Um, it works very well. These, so these documents the, that I've mentioned over the last couple of weeks, the test charter or scope charter and the executive summary, you know, they like it. Audit likes it. Executive likes it because they see that, you know, this, this is our objective. This is what we did. You know, we met it. And that's in your executive summary as well, right? You know, if you've got four objectives, you know, and you met them or you didn't meet them, now you're providing the information as to why you did and why you didn't. And it's real information, not simply someone's interpretation of it, but it's factual. And that's what you want to do. And of course, you know, you let everybody look at it, make sure you've got your terminology right. You make sure you're not missing any specific details with the issues. So you let the participants have a look at it. And then you get your sign off, you know, from uh, your sponsor when they're happy, right? And then you move forward and you address, you know, your issues over the next couple of, uh, you know, months up until the next test. And hopefully you don't encounter the same issues again the next time, you know, or if you had a, uh, a low issue and it's been addressed, it doesn't appear anymore, or you had a high one, but now it's, you know, it kind of occurred again, but it's now got a low ranking. Okay. So you want to keep those documents. That's what audit likes. And that helps you build over time. You know, your testing go uh, as you go up the ladder from your small test to big simulations, you know, and uh, as I said, you know, the more you do it, the less planning you should be able to do, you know, because everyone's going to by then know what they're supposed to do. So that's our talk on uh, testing. You know, I hope uh, it's been insightful. I know I could probably do a uh, double or triple the amount of shows talking about testing because there's so much more information to go through. Um, but I'd like to everyone to have a listen, and I hope everyone uh, picked up a couple of tips to help them. Uh, feel free to check the website, uh, stone-road.com or alexfullick.com, and, you know, there's some information there. And uh, if you, there are other topics that you want to talk about or you'd like to talk about, you know, if you'd like to be a guest, please send me an email, info at stone-road.com. You know, and let's talk, let's touch base. Let's find out and get you on the show and talk about what you want to talk about. Could be something you've created, could be an experience, could be your program, you know, anything along those lines. I'm very open. You know, this is your show. I want everything to be uh, good for you. You know, I want us all to be prepared for the unexpected. So thank you again for listening. This has been another great week, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. I'm Alex Fullick. Stay prepared, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Fullick, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.